right eye dominant. 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 This is the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Toro Jr. And on today's episode, I will be talking about the work of photographer Lee Friedlander and specifically a body of work called the American Monument. This is a series of photos that Friedlander created during the 1970s, and they document monuments, statues, memorials scattered around the United States. But there is a much deeper layer of relevance to these images, and I'll be discussing that as well. And then I'll talk about one particular photograph that has resonated with me for quite some time in the deep dive known as Worth a Thousand Words. We'll take a look at some of the photographs featured in this series, but in a much broader way, think about what it means to commemorate our history, whether it be through photographs or through monuments, and whose story is being told and whose story is not being told. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So to start off the episode, I thought it'd be helpful just to give a little bit of biographical information on Lee Friedlander. If you're not familiar with him, or even if you are, he was born in Aberdeen, Washington in 1934. He is still alive, 88 years old and going strong. And I know that he's still out in the world producing photographs to this day. Friedlander uh, came of age during a generation that was heavily influenced by the work of Eugene Ajay, definitely Walker Evans, and Friedlander started his career in the mid to late 1950s, and he was actually a, a photographer for Atlantic Records, where he photographed such luminaries as Duke Ellington, Charles Mingus, John Coltrane, Miles Davis. At the same time, he was wandering the streets of Manhattan with a Leica camera, and he was shooting street photography along with peers such as Gary Winogrand. And uh, Friedlander really came into recognition when he was featured in a show at the Museum of Modern Art in 1967 called New Documents, where his work was featured along with Winogrand and Diane Arbus's, and showing a new direction of a broader view of what was then known as documentary photography. So as I said, Friedlander has been quite prolific through his career. He's definitely had a varied uh, body of work. Many people know him through his self-portraits and his self-portraits are really interesting because they're not always the camera turned to face him himself, but he's made a whole sort of personal subgenre of shadow photography where Friedlander is representing himself with a shadow of himself in the photograph. Along with that, he's shot road trip 
photographs from the seat of his car. He has definitely photographed uh, nature, the desert in all of its complexity, and he's produced much work right here in New Mexico, being one of the many photographers enthralled by this unique New Mexico light. I'm going back to a series of work that Lee Friedlander produced in the 1970s. It's called The American Monument. And I think the timing of this work was significant for a number of reasons. First of all, Lee Friedlander was creating these photographs towards the end of the Vietnam War. The country was definitely divided in a lot of ways, uh, socially, economically, and politically. And then to turn his camera on things that symbolize these crowning achievements or moments or people important in the history of the United States, I think it just was a significant statement to be doing that at that time. Not only that, but Friedlander was creating this work as the country was nearing its 200th birthday, the bicentennial in 1976. And I think it was just a relevant time to be thinking about our history and how we memorialize things, but also along with that, things that maybe we don't always recognize because as we know in history, history is written by the victors, and oftentimes if there's a monument constructed, it's usually uh, at the expense of other people, people who have been defeated in one way or another, and that's certainly the case throughout American history. And I think about that when I'm looking at these photographs by Lee Friedlander. Uh, certainly, they had relevance then in, in the mid-1970s, but the more things change, the more they stay the same, and I think that our country today is in a very similar uh, divisive moment, certainly politically, I would say also economically and also racially, and the great struggles that have created this country uh, continue, and this work to me uh, feels very contemporary in many ways, even though they were shot over 40, 45 years ago. So the body of work was released as a publication. It was reissued within the last decade in its original large format size, which is the copy that I got my hands on. Not only is the, the work monumental, but the printing and the, the binding in this oversized book is, is monumental as well. But I was first introduced to this work uh, via the Center for Creative Photography down in Tucson, Arizona. And I have a copy of their uh, research series magazine called The Archive that uh, has a really uh, wonderful overview of this series. And what I find interesting now, leafing through this magazine, which I'm doing right now, uh, there's an article by uh, Marvin Heiferman, and it's titled, One Nation Chiseled in Pictures, The Monumental Nature of American Photography. And I really like that play on the word monumental because obviously the American spirit or the uh, uh, American persona uh, definitely encompasses this sort of grand gesture 
or the idea of making a monumental statement and whether that's through uh, invention or through the arts and certainly through photography. The whole idea of monumental photography uh, is definitely a, a direct connection to the way I think most American photographers, certainly throughout the history of American photography, have uh, considered their work. But then you look at the work uh, Lee Friedlander's American Monuments and the portfolio that they feature. And at first glance, you look at these photos and they seem somewhat mundane. And that may be a word that you could attach to a lot of Freelander's work. Um, but in this case, you're looking at photos of um, statues, often in parks or with trees behind them or civic plazas. And sometimes the, the people posing are recognizable. Um, sometimes they are names that you would know, perhaps uh, former presidents. Um, sometimes you can't tell who they are at all. And I find that point interesting because these are statues that uh, there was much effort obviously made to make these monuments to commemorate some person or some act or some moment of significance. And then that significance could fade as time passes on and we may not know who these people are or what they did. As I go through the book, I do notice that most of them are of men. Many of them are of white men. And so that I think also speaks to uh, what version of American history are we uh, learning about or honoring when we build these monuments. Another thing that I really find uh, compelling about this body of work is that many of these photographs are monuments that are left in places that either uh, the city has grown up around it or it's a park that has maybe not been maintained as it once was. And then the monument just falls into the background. It no longer just a central point of focus, but is just part of this landscape as significant probably as a telephone pole or a stop sign or a tree branch that's obscuring the view of the, the monument in the photograph. And so I think about that and I think about what is Friedlander really showing us in these photographs. He is going to historic sites and nondescript street corners and he's treating both with the same kind of non-biased approach, I would say. There's a photograph on the front cover of this magazine, and it's actually of a one of those viewing machines where you pop a, a coin in it and you're able to see. Uh, it's kind of like a binocular thing, and it's, it's actually at R Mount Rushmore, but the main subject of the photograph, and it's not even in focus, is this viewing device not really clear in the foreground, a couple of young people with long hair walking behind it staring at the photographer. Maybe that's a comment on the social fabric of the United States when this photograph was taken. And then perched on top of the binocular of the viewing machine in the middle of the top of the photograph, but highly uh, obscured is Mount Rushmore itself. And so, 
There's a lot going on in even what you would think is a simple photograph, and I also find it telling that Friedlander goes to a place that has probably been photographed millions and millions of times and decides to show us a very different view of that environment. So the photographer must have had some kind of agenda in mind, or maybe he didn't, but I'm bringing all of that to the photograph, this photograph in particular, and certainly this body of work. And definitely from the standpoint of being now in the early, almost mid 21st century, I'm looking at these photographs with even more history, more social and cultural significance brought to them through a more modern or contemporary set of eyes. And so much power resides in these images, just the fact that they're still relevant to us today. So now I'd like to take a closer look at one specific photograph from the American Monument. And I will definitely share this in the show notes. So if you'd like to open up the image so you could look at it while I'm discussing it, there's a link in the show notes. Or if you want to uh, Google Lee Friedlander and the name of the statue is Father Duffy. So this particular monument Friedlander photographed, he, it stands in what many consider to be the center of the world, New York City. And it's not only in New York City, but it's right near Times Square. And I'm looking at this photograph, and, and I'll just describe it briefly. It's a black and white photograph shot on film, obviously, uh, because it was dating from the 1970s. The angle is a slightly wide angle, and the depth of field is uh, sharp throughout the photograph. And that's significant because not only is the main subject of the photograph in focus, but all of the background stacks layer upon layer behind the statue of one Father Duffy. I didn't know anything about Father Duffy specifically. I didn't know who he was, and I just did some research online to find out more about him, and this is what I found. Father Francis Duffy of the Most Holy Trinity Church on 42nd Street near Broadway served with the Fighting 69th, the mostly Irish regiment in World War I. He was severely wounded and received the Distinguished Service Cross for Bravery on the battlefield. His monument sits in Duffy Square, which is a triangle formed by Broadway, 7th Avenue, and 47th Street in New York City, and this was dedicated in 1937. It features a monument of Father Duffy in his World War I uniform, standing in front of the Celtic Cross. Now, the location of the statue is part of Times Square, and it's interesting to see how much has grown around the monument. Not only when Friedlander took the photograph, probably close to 35, 40 years after it was erected, but as it looks today. And that's what I find fascinating about the American Monument series, is that any of the photos feature monuments that, like I said earlier, have receded into their surroundings. Often they look as they've been neglected or forgotten. They're lost in the environment, or perhaps the environment has changed or transformed from when the statue was first erected. And this photograph of the Father Duffy statue is a perfect illustration of this. 
If we examine how Friedlander chose to show us this scene, we can see that the statue is only one small component of the entire scene. The composition acts almost as like a jigsaw puzzle, with the image of Father Duffy and the statue lost in a sea of advertisements, block letters, scaffolding, and building. The alignment at the top of the frame is slightly off kilter due to the perspective of the photographer looking up from ground level. And there's wrought iron spikes of a fence along the bottom of the frame. It brings a jagged severity to, to the framing. I find it interesting to ponder the fact that the monument we see in the photograph is a tribute to both a priest and a soldier. And it definitely brings a deeper meaning to the image for me. The symbolism of a spiritual leader is at odds with the crass consumerism that's on display all around the statue. But then secondly, the man who is lionized here by the statue, he was a soldier in World War I, and his efforts to fight for his country were perhaps ironically rewarded with our freedom to drink an endless supply of Coca-Cola, which is advertised in the Times Square, right around the statue, while you're waiting in line for some half-price Broadway show tickets. It's this clash of reverence and irreverence that is really palpable in this photograph. I did a Google search on this uh, monument to see how the environment has changed since Friedlander took this photograph. We know that Times Square was always considered, in many ways, the crossroads of the world. So any changes should not be surprising. And as anyone from the tri-state area knows, the area was transformed under Mayor Rudy Giuliani in the 1990s when the real estate value increased to a, a point where only high-ticket corporations and entities could even exist in Times Square. I'm actually a little surprised that the statue wasn't just relocated to someplace else. So now thinking about this photograph in the context of today, I wonder what Friedlander would say about the current national dialogue, or one could say current arguments about the role of statues and monuments in our country. Uh, as stated earlier, the overall feeling of the body of work uh, definitely has a, a feeling of neglect or ignoring of these monuments. However, we as a society, we're in a process of reassessing who is a hero, who is a scoundrel, who is a murderer, or who is a traitor. Every monument is a commemoration of both a victory and a defeat, both the conqueror and the conquered. If history is written by the victors, these statues, of course, focus on the exploits that have no doubt caused some great pain and suffering to others. And then, from a nationalistic standpoint, it might be easier to hail a hero from a war overseas and let the benefit of time polish the luster of that monument. When those commemorated have inflicted bloodshed on our own soil, against our own citizens, should these statues be allowed to stand any longer? Perhaps Friedlander would choose not to overly politicize his intent. And to further your pondering, I'll close with this wonderful quote I found by John Sarkowski from the Museum of Modern Art about this work. And I quote, I think we are moved more deeply by Friedlander's intuitions concerning the nature of America's relationship to its past, concerning the vernacular materials out of which, with attention, we might fashion a culture 
concerning the evidence of these countless attempts to preserve and nourish the idea of community. I am astonished and heartened by the deep affection in those pictures, by the photographer's tolerant equanimity in the face of the facts, by the generosity of spirit, the freedom from pomposity and rhetoric. One might call this work an act of high artistic patriotism, an achievement that might help us reclaim that work from ideologues and expediters. His work, in sum, constitutes a conservation among the symbols that we live among and that some degree live by. So there you have it, my discussion and exploration of the work titled American Monument by the photographer Lee Friedlander. And I hope this introduction or this discussion has provoked some thoughts for you and to reconsider what it is that we are commemorating or memorializing when we build monuments and whether it's valid to even be doing so when you consider that at the feet of these monuments lies the blood of others who have suffered at their expense. And also I think that it raises the issue of as a country, as a society, as people, how do we remember the things that have happened in our history? And whether they're great achievements or great failings, how are we as a society supposed to remember these things? I don't have the answers to those questions. If you have thoughts, though, I would love for you to share them with me. If you go to writeidominantpodcast.com and scroll down to the bottom, there is a, a place where you could send me your thoughts, and I would love to hear from you all. Also, you'll see that all of my episodes are available for listening via links on that website, and I hope you dive in if you haven't listened to them all. So with that, I think I'll wrap things up. This has been the Right Eye Dominant Podcast. I have been your host, Nick Taro Jr. And until next time, stay well. This podcast has been a production of RightEyeDominant.art. The music for this episode has been brought to you by The Conant Project, Yazar, and The White Plains.